Today is in the church calendar. I heard at Pentecost. Yes, today is Pentecost. So all of you wearing red, you get bonus points today because that is the church color in the calendar for Pentecost. 
This is the day that we celebrate the, uh, the Holy Spirit descending upon the disciples and the birthplace of the church. They all started speaking in tongues and um, speaking God's uh, praises and telling stories about God in other languages. And people in Jerusalem heard them and they said, what's going on? And Peter comes out and gives his first sermon and 3,000 people say, we're going to become followers of Jesus and people get baptized and the church starts. So that's what we celebrate today. So keep that in mind as you welcome one another. Maybe if you speak another language, you could greet them in another language. Even. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Good morning, welcome. As always, if you have prayer requests, please write them down on something and drop them in the tithing offering box so that I can be praying for you during the week or shoot me an email. I'm happy to do it that way as well. The one important announcement I have today has to do with the way that you can help us serve each other, and that is that during the summer, we like to have a give our Sunday school, regular Sunday school teachers a break from teaching. So we're really looking at um, just the very end of June and July and August. So if we're looking for folks who'd be willing to fill in for one week, maybe two, if you can do two, there's a sign-up sheet out by the coffee bar. Um, the, the ladies who do this normally would be happy to go over the, the plan with you. It's just during the sermon time, and we have a curriculum that's sort of pre-set and pre-done, so you'd be able to look at that ahead of time and know exactly what you're going to do. And to be honest, during the summer, it's really hit and miss. I mean, we could have a Sunday with a lot of kids, and we could have a Sunday when we don't even need it. So it's just um, having folks who are willing to be there to do that um, during the summer. So again, sign-up sheet is back on the coffee bar for that. Let's do our call to worship. Today's call to worship is from Psalm 104, 24. What a wildly wonderful world, God. You made it all, and with wisdom at your side, made the earth overflow with your wonderful creations. Oh, look, the deep wide sea, brimming with fish, past counting, sardines and sharks and salmon. Ships plow those waters and your pet dragon romps in them. All the creatures look expectantly to you to give them their meals on time. You come and they gather around. You open your hand and they eat from it. If you turn back, they die in a minute. Take back your spirit and they die. Revert to original mud. 
Send out your spirit and they spring to life. The whole countryside in bloom and blossom. The glory of the Lord, let it last forever. Let God enjoy his creation. He takes one look at earth and triggers an earthquake, points a finger at the mountains, and volcanoes erupt. Oh, let me sing to God all my life long, sing hymns to my God as long as I live. Oh, let my song please him. I am so pleased to be singing to God. I invite you to stand. Father, we consider it a, a joy and a pleasure to be able to sing to you with all our variety of voices. And we know that in your ears, it's all amazing and beautiful. And we thank you for all those things that we just heard read in this psalm that have been sung by your faithful throughout the generations, the goodness of the life that you have created and the recognition that were you to be removed from it, that it would all just stop. So we know that you are present and you're moving here today. We want to connect in with you, Lord, our source of life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
time. Thank you for the gifts that you have given each of us. Help us to use them in your service. Help us to spread the word of how one might come to know you, to become part of your family. Help us to model the love that you show us each and every day, that others might see that reflected in us. We know that far too often we show our human side, we make the wrong choice, get distracted. Lord, we ask that you keep us on the path that is straight and true, traveling closer to you with each step. Let us truly shine with the light that only you can bring to us. And Lord, we pray for those around the world who are hurting, who are discouraged, who need comfort or care. We ask that you would be there. Let them feel your presence. We ask that you might help us to see those people in the world around us. And see the best way that we can help, that we can serve. As we look at our community, help us to see the neighbor beside us as our brother or sister. Help us to care for them as we would our closest friend. We come together and we say the words that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. When we read about the birth of the church in Acts 2 at Pentecost, one of the things that it's described there are these tongues of fire that come in and descend upon the church, the people in the church, the, the disciples. And um, there's a sound that the Holy Spirit is, is, is recognized in that. The Holy Spirit begins speaking through all of these people gathered. And one of the, um, we're going to be actually looking at this, the most, of uh, the three things we're looking at, Jesus family and mission. Mission is the one that we correspond most with the Holy Spirit. This is the, the part of the, the Trinity, the part of the church that is um, moving and, and acting and bringing people into relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. So um, there's a lot of confusion on this. I've had a lot of experience in my life in some different Pentecostal strains of the church. 
And I had a very influential professor in college, a mentor really, who wrote a book on the Holy Spirit, and which is a, a challenging task to say the least. Um, but it was he wrote this during the time when there was a lot of you know uh, the Holy Spirit Pentecostal movement and uprising in the United States. And my favorite description he used over and over in class, he would take a whiteboard and he would draw his little stick figure Jesus that he liked to draw on it. He would write Jesus on it and he'd say, this is the Holy Spirit. And he would stand behind the, the whiteboard and he would reach around and he would point at it like this. Because this is what the Holy Spirit does. And it's become the, most easy, the easiest way for me when I'm evaluating what's happening and whether it's a televangelist on TV or it's a, a preacher on Sunday morning, wherever it is, um, or wherever it is, whatever expression of the church it is, is it pointing people to Jesus? Is the, is the focus on Jesus? If it is, then it's probably work of the Holy Spirit. If the focus is more on a human being, a personality, then there's probably some reason for concern. So today we're going to be entering into this some more. We're going to be reading actually from 1 Corinthians 9. Um, you can find that on your Bible app. We'll have it up on the screen as well. I should probably get that ready. Before I do, I want to um, just give you a little teaser here. We have an odd church name. Our church name is Tidelands, and people often ask where the origins of that name came from, and there's probably a lot of different ways to answer that, but if you listen carefully as we move through the sermon today, I think you'll figure out one of the big reasons why we chose that name, and, and I'll be sharing that with you towards the end as well. So we've been moving through this mini-series <clears throat> talking about the three aspects of the church. And I think appropriately, I've finally adopted uh, a good way of discussing this, which is the fire triangle. This idea that if you have a fire, there are three things to keep it going. You need heat, you need oxygen, you need fuel. You take any one of those three away and you put the fire out. I learned that when I was a firefighter. It's a pretty simple way of, of thinking about fire. And I would say it's the same with the church. We have these three um, grounding things that we've always seen in the church. We have the, the gospel, the good news, or Jesus. And so we have we talk about Jesus because that's where the gospel comes from. Um, we have the family or the community. Um, the, this is, would be the gathered ones. <clears throat> you know, the, we sometimes call that the church. We don't use that word because it gets so confusing because people think the building is a church or the worship service is a church, but the community or the family. And then we have the mission, the outward sent part of the, um, the call. If you take any three or any one of those away, you have some kind of religion for sure, but you don't have the church. And I would say, if you want to go back in Acts 2 and read the beginning of the church and ask yourself, what happened if the gospel was not present or Jesus was not involved? What happens if the community was not there, if it was just one person? What happens if there was um, no proclaiming the message to anyone else? What would that look like? And I would say, you look at that story and you'll see that it wouldn't be what it is, what it has become, the church. So that's my argument, and I'm spending some time talking about these. We're on the last one today. I'm talking about mission. Of course, we just recently finished our Gospel of Matthew series, and we ended that series with Matthew 28, and Jesus sending his disciples out in mission, what we call the Great Commission. And Jesus has called and sends all of us. We disqualify ourselves from that mission because we 
decide we're not good enough or qualified enough or well-spoken enough or whatever. We use all kinds of ways of disqualifying ourselves. But it's not God who disqualifies us. It's God who is calling us and who is sending us. And it looks a lot more like ordinary life than we think. When I was involved in youth ministry, I led a lot of mission teams around the world. And we did this in large part because I discovered it was probably one of the most effective ways to um, really give fertilizer to discipleship of young people, to get them out of their comfort zone and to get them to serve and meet brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. It was, it was really um, not a, I, I was pretty honest with this, I felt like it was a pretty selfish thing for us to do. Um, I was very careful about those I chose to get involved with to make sure we weren't causing more harm than good, that we were supporting the church that existed in the places we were going. But I knew that it would change my life, it would change the lives of those who were going, probably more than those who we were serving. And I found that to be consistently true in missions. And when we were down in uh, Mazatlan, which I know a lot of people go, oh, that sounds rough, you go to Mazatlan for a mission trip. Um, it's a part of Mazatlan that so many people never see. Whenever you have these tourist meccas in Mexico, you also have usually massive, um, what we would call probably slums. Um, they're just very poor, you know, shanty neighborhoods that just extend all the way outside the city. And the roads are built and everything is built so that if you're a tourist there, you don't ever have to see it or experience it. But we would go into those places, we'd work with the churches there, we'd work with the kids there, we would do some home building in those places. <clears throat> and one of the activities we did um, my good friend Phil, who I went to Cambodia with last year, who some of you um, will have a chance to go with us next year if you'd like to, to Cambodia, and um, hopefully Phil will be with us. My friend Phil, who's been doing this for a long time, he likes to use the seven mountains of culture, which is, I'm not going to go into the whole story of how that came about, but this idea that if you look at these different parts of the culture of any place you're going into, you can learn a whole lot about the entire culture. You can do this with ours or any others. The seven mountains are arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, and religion. And so if you've ever seen the TV show, The Amazing Race, he did a twist on this called The, the Great Prayer Race. And so what we would do is we would break up into teams and we would have to go down into the old part of Mazatlan, the old downtown, and we would have to try to um, find a place that represented each one of these seven mountains of culture and learn something about it. So we would go into museums to learn about arts and entertainment. We would go down to, um, you know, a bus uh, any business, to the market to learn about business. For government, we actually had people who ended up talking to the mayor of Mazatlan and praying with them one time, which was pretty cool. Um, so we, we would do those things and then we would pray, uh, come back together, we would pray about all these different things we had learned about this culture that we did at the beginning of our trip. And we did this exercise because we wanted to notice that there were, um, there are some things that are very similar, being in a different culture to ours. You know, cross-culturally, we share a lot of these same areas. But there's some things that are also very different. And as missionaries, we wanted to notice how the gospel of Jesus impacts all of these different areas of the culture. And in doing so, we felt like we would be better able to serve, and also better, more aware of our own culture. And so as we get into this, what I want to say is that missions is often about, or mission, if you want to use that, is often about paying attention to the different areas of influence you already have in your life. And just 
being aware of this and maybe educating yourself on some of those and learning how God can use you to serve in those areas. So let's read 1 Corinthians together. 9, 19 to 22. We're really jumping into the middle of a, of a longer thought of Paul's. Um, but for our purposes today, we're just going to be looking at this, this short, more abbreviated section. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, Although I'm free from all people, I make myself a slave to all people to recruit more of them. I act like a Jew to the Jews, so I can recruit Jews. I act like I'm under the law to those under the law, so that I can recruit those under the law, though I myself am not under the law. I act like I'm outside the law to those who are outside the law, so that I can recruit those outside the law, though I'm not outside the law of God, but rather under the law of Christ. I act weak to the weak, so I can recruit the weak. I've become all things to all people, so I could save some by all possible means. All the things I do are for the sake of the gospel, so that I can be a partner with it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Fathers, we hear the words of your Apostle Paul. We know that there is so much for us to understand about the way you want to use us to show your love and to spread your good news in this world. May we be open to your call. In your name we pray. Amen. So Paul, in this uh, brief section we read, he's addressing some criticism from the church in Corinth. I know a lot of times people say, oh, if we could just go back to being a New Testament church. I mean, read Paul. He was constantly under attack. He was constantly struggling with problems within the church. It wasn't peaches and cream. Acts 2 was a wonderful highlight, and then pretty soon, things get pretty complicated. That's just the life of the church. Jesus doesn't change, but the church certainly does. It changes. Whether Paul is addressing criticism, whether he should be paid, whether he should have a wife, whether he should eat set food, sacrifice to idols, and on and on and on. And his response to these criticisms is this. I'm free. God is is glorious. I don't have to fear others. God is gracious. I don't have to prove myself. These are two of the, the things we talk about often. This idea that our identity in God, the truth of God, means that we don't have to try to prove to anyone other than God that we're being faithful and obedient. And so Paul says, I'm free. From all these things that you're concerned about, whether I should have a wife, whether I should eat food sacrificed to idols, whether I should be paid or not paid. Sharing the gospel, Paul teaches us, means sacrifice and adaptation. So Paul will eat pork with the Gentiles, though he never ate it growing up. But when he's eating with his fellow Jews, he will also follow the food laws. He has the right to be paid as a laborer, he will call it, for Christ. But he refuses the pay in order to make what he believes a more powerful message as he's speaking to the Gentiles. Now these verses could be very confusing out of context. You could read this and say, wow, Paul, he's... 
He's kind of a coward. He's a little bit wishy-washy. He sort of just becomes whoever to whoever to make them like him. But that's not at all what Paul is trying to say. He's saying that he is subject only to Jesus. And therefore, he's willing to make sacrifices and adaptations in order to reach the most number of people with the gospel, because that's more important. Biggest concern that I often encounter as I'm sharing with people about the missional community model that we um, use here is this idea that uh, people say, where will I find the time to be a part of the missional community? I don't have enough time. And I'm constantly trying to reframe that and help people understand that our misconception over that comes from this model of the church that we've, many of us have grown up with and been trained in. It's a programmatic, attractional model of church. And what it says is that to be a good church member, you have to add more things to your schedule. You need to add more meetings and to your schedule. Missional living is not about adding more church meetings to your schedule. Missional living is trying to reorient your life so that all of the things that you're involved with and all of the things that you are doing come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and are for the purpose of the Gospel. So, one way to think about this, and I'd like to help us with this a little bit this morning, is the idea of rhythm. The idea of rhythm. I love music. I'm not as talented in music as I'd like to be. My um, wife has taught music for many, many years. She's not currently. Um, she's a much better musician than I am, although you don't see her up here because she's a vocalist most of the time. Um, but we all understand rhythm. Even little kids who don't have good rhythm understand the concept of rhythm. You see them moving when they hear a song with good rhythm. Think about this. Rhythm is built into everything God created. You see it from the very beginning of Genesis. We all experience it every single day. Sun comes up. Sun goes down. We have day. We have night. And then most of us break that rhythm up throughout the day, don't we? We have usually two or three or maybe more times when we stop and we eat. <laughs> maybe we don't stop anymore, but at least we eat. You know, we have ways that we break up our day. Maybe you're lucky enough to have time to take a nap and you break up your day with a nap. I don't know. When I had little kids, we, 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 our kids at least got naps, right? We have spring. We have the uh, plants blooming and, and growing and uh, I have, you know, I keep honeybees and right now my honeybees are exploding. You know, they're building up the nest and bringing in all the nectar and then we have fall. Things start to cool, the leaves turn brown, the flowers go away, the seasons change, right? The bees go into their kind of form of hibernation. God has built us into the rhythm of everything he created. The whales migrate from north to south. The birds, they migrate. It's built into everything. Rhythm. It's built into our life, but we don't often recognize it. And so I would like to, to um, just help you think about your life today in terms of seven different forms of rhythm that we all have in our life. Seven different ways that we can begin to build this concept of God's mission into the things that we are already doing. So, the first one is story formed. 
story forms. You can call this story, but that might get a little confusing, so I just call it story forms or storytelling, maybe. This is the idea that we all tell stories, that we don't often recognize it, but I bet most of you have already done it this morning. You know, we, you came in and you had a conversation with somebody, and, you know, Tom and I were talking about baseball, and, you know, we were talking about the memorial service, this wonderful woman at Mountain that we went to yesterday. I mean, we tell stories. Talk about the work we've been doing in our garden, or the trip that we're going to take, or that we just took. We do this all the time, but we don't always recognize it. We can learn to incorporate more of God's story into our story. When we do this, though, this, this takes some intentionality on our part of recognizing how God's story, or I should say how our story connects into the larger story of God's story. And to do this, we, we spend time in Scripture. We spend time in prayer. But when we tell our stories, it's not... I've, I've been to um, some conferences where, where teachers, pastors sometimes have said, you know, we need to learn to sort of uh, slip in little gospel messages into our conversation to try to uh, surprise people or to, to get people to open up and start talking about Jesus. And what I want to say is that that often comes across as very artificial, and we all know that. It feels artificial to us, and they sense it as artificial and inauthentic, and it generally then doesn't lead to uh, much fruit. But I would say if we learn to see our story in God's larger story, then it's just natural. When we tell our story, we're talking about how God is working in our life. And it's our story, so we can't be wrong. You cannot be wrong. You are the expert in your own story. So it's not like you're going up to someone and you're saying, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he's the only way to God, and if you don't believe in him, you're going to hell. You've just started an argument. But if you say, oh man, I, I would be so lost if it weren't for my relationship with Jesus. You know, no one can argue with that because that's your story. So learning to tell our story and being story formed. The second one is listen. Listen. Listening to God. God speaks in many, many different ways. We just talked about the rhythms of creation. I believe God speaks through creation and Romans backs me up on this. God speaks as we meditate on God's word, as we pray, obviously. So we need to listen to God. We also need to listen to ourselves. And, you know, what are the things I'm telling myself? What are the things that, am I, am I telling myself things that aren't true, that God would not say to me? What am I believing that's not the good news, that's not the gospel? What am I believing that's not true about God? One of my favorite simple tools for doing this kind of work is just at the end of the day, when I'm laying in bed, before I go to bed, I do a very simple form of what's been called the consciousness exam, which is this idea of just saying, God, I'm inviting you into this conversation I'm having right now. It's silent usually, but I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna work through my day. I'm just gonna think about what happened today, and I just invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to me. Words of encouragement, words of challenge. And it, it doesn't usually take me very long. I'm sort of on fast forward as I'm running through my day. But just allowing God to speak, it's just a simple, simple way you could do that. You could do that at any time. Listening. Listening to each other. 
You know, what are people really saying? When I was doing some chaplaincy at Cascade Valley Hospital, when I was under care for ordination, one of the tools that they use when they train chaplains is this practice of going into a room to visit with somebody who you don't know in the hospital and having a conversation with them. And then when you're done with that conversation, coming out and writing down every single thing that they said. It's very challenging, but it's also really powerful how much that changes the way you enter into a conversation. So often we're, of course, thinking about what we want to say next, or maybe even questions that we want to ask, or what I'm going to eat later. I mean, there's, our mind goes everywhere. But this is a, this is a real practice of, of you know, gospel orientation to just be having a conversation with somebody and listen. And for those of us who this doesn't come naturally to do this, um, we have to be a little bit more intentional about it. So maybe you want to do that sometime just on your own. You don't even have to tell anyone. You know, just go to the grocery store or come to worship on Sunday morning and say, I'm going to write down everything this per- some one person said to me and go into that conversation with that idea and see what that's like. I, I promise you it will give you a different concept of listening. Listening to God, listening to ourselves, listening to each other. The third rhythm is celebrate. And we're all surprised because this doesn't sound like a church message. What? Celebrate. Go back through the Hebrew Bible. Go back through the Old Testament and look at how many celebrations God built into their calendar. And it was, it's in there in Scripture. I mean, one of, I think, the biggest losses for us as the Christian church um, when we've gotten away from, of course, the legalism and some of the, the festivals and stuff of the Jewish traditions, that we've also lost some of the beautiful celebrations. We have Easter, of course, and we have um, Christmas, but even those we've really truncated and changed. They're not what they used to be. So today, in the Christian calendar, would traditionally mark the end of Easter. That's a long time if we're celebrating the greatest holiday of the Christian faith, Easter, Easter tide, we would call it, right? Celebrate. Worship is meant to be a celebration. When we gather on Sundays, now we don't all always feel like celebration. We should be able to come here and not feel like we have to be in a celebratory mood. But for those of us who are ready, we should be celebrating. Worship is a time to celebrate the good things that God is doing in our lives and has done for the world. Our missional communities, uh, one of the things I, I love about having this missional community that meets at our house is so that we get to celebrate birthdays, and we try to do some little celebrations sometimes for Mother's Day and Father's Day. We have Thanksgiving meals together and Christmas meals together. And of course, we do this with our, our extended you know, biological families, too. But we just have way more excuses to celebrate. It's so fun to be the church in that way. We're going to have uh, our missional community already decided we're going to do our first. We do beach nights in the summer. We're going to do our first beach night on the last day of school. We're going to celebrate school ending. I mean, what a great excuse to celebrate, right? Celebrations as a way to show and express the gospel. What would that look like? We believe the good news, and we should certainly be people of great celebration. The fourth rhythm, bless. I know this isn't a word that we use very often anymore, other than, you know, someone sneezes and we say, God bless you, or bless you, or gesundheit, or something. Bless. Look at everything God has given to us. We have been blessed. 
So that's the first part of it. And I'm just saying, God, thank you that today my vehicle is running and I'm able to drive around. Thanks, God. That's a blessing. My truck is broken right now, so that's <laughs> I think of it that way, right? I mean, we don't realize the things until we lose them sometimes. God, thank you that today I'm feeling pretty good. I'm healthy today. God, thank you for this meal that you've put before me. God has given all these blessings to us, so recognizing those blessings that we have been blessed is all a gift, and then remembering that the very charge that was given to Abraham and Sarah back in the very beginning is that you will be blessed, and that's where we often stop, so that you will be a blessing to the nations. And throughout the Old Testament, when you read about that promise, it often carries that second part. And we forget about that. So that you will be a blessing to the nations. And when Jesus came and the church was born, that was meant to be a fulfillment of that prophecy. Now you are truly blessed so that you can be a blessing to the nations. So blessing others. It is so fun to start the day and say, I wonder how I can bless somebody today for God. They don't have to know it's, it's because of Him. I wonder what opportunity I will have to bless someone today. That changes your whole mindset. You're no longer in a victim mentality mode. You're no longer thinking only about your problems, even if you're having a terrible day. It might be the one bright spot for you to just look for one opportunity to bless somebody today. We all have the power to do it. We can do it just as simply with our words. I mean, how many of us have had our days changed by someone saying, wow, your, your hair looks really good today. You, I love that shirt you're wearing. I mean, it doesn't take much, does it? Just a little comment. I thank you. Blessing. Okay, next rhythm. Eat. One of my favorites. I mean, this, this is even odd here. How is this, can this be a gospel rhythm? Let me ask you this. God created all of these things we, we were just been thinking about, all these different animals. You might go to the Woodland Park Zoo, and you might go to the snake exhibit today. Maybe you wouldn't. My wife wouldn't. But I like the snakes. So you might go to the snake exhibit. And you might see a little sign on there that says, you know, this boa was fed 21 days ago. And you're like, what? <laughs> I mean, there are animals in God's creation who eat very infrequently. So God was designing human beings. What was in the thinking of that? They'll need to eat all the time. <laughs> You know, at least three times a day, they're going to need to eat. They're going to have to get up every morning. And they're going to be really hungry because they've been fasting all night long. And they're going to need to eat again. Well, we don't have an answer for that in Scripture. But we do see this. That in Scripture, there are many, many significant events that are surrounding eating. Not the least of which is the one that we just celebrated last Sunday. The Lord's Supper. I mean, that's a, one of our two sacraments, and it's around a meal. This is meant to be a table. As I explained that last Sunday, it's not an altar, it's a table. It's a meal. So we eat many times a day, and every time we eat, it's an opportunity for us to share life with someone. Now, I say that as an introvert. There, I, sometimes I was the kid who wanted to take his lunch and go as far away from everybody as I could to get my 30 minutes of peace, okay? I want to give you permission. That's okay. Sometimes you need that. That's all right. 
But most of us have room to be able to gather with others. At some point, while we're eating, we have to stop to eat. Uh, one of my favorite things about being a pastor and having some flexibility in my schedule is that um, I often have the opportunity to meet people for coffee or for lunch or for dinner and just sit down over a meal and talk with them. It's a daily reminder, I believe, of our need for God. So I think God put it into us so that as we get hungry, we're also meant to be reminded of all those times that Scripture talks about our deep spiritual hunger and thirst. Remember during Jesus' temptations, and he was tempted with food, and he said that, um, he, he responded with the Scripture that, um, and I'm going to draw a blank because I didn't write this down, and I should know this normally, I just spat it off, but that uh, we were, man was not meant for bread alone, but for every word that comes from the mouth of God, something like that. Idea that we have a need that goes beyond the physical food. And so every time we eat, it's also a good time for us to be reminded of our spiritual need for God in the midst of an often busy life. So, next rhythm, recreate. You could look at the root of that word and you could see in there the, the recreate or to create again, to recreate, to play. This is also built into the rhythm. According to Genesis, from the very beginning, God created for six days, and then there was a day that everything stopped. And it was a day to rest. And then it all started again. One day a week. And many of us, that's very hard to do that, to take that day to stop. But I would say that it's not just about you know, that ceasing and the Sabbath, we've talked about that at times, but also the idea that God designed us for play. And as we get older, we sometimes forget that. What if we were to think of the opportunity to just play and just enjoy this life and the things that God has given us as a way of expressing the gospel, the good news? Well, that would probably, of course, influence maybe some of the ways we do recreation. But it just changes again one other part of the rhythm of our life that could come under the gospel. Going to a sporting event and thinking about it as an opportunity to live into the good news of the gospel rather than being caught on what team wins or loses. Playing golf. I haven't played golf in quite a while. I really like golf, but my kids' schedule keeps me pretty busy. Um, and when I play golf, I'm always frustrated that I'm not really good. And I don't play enough to be really good anyway. And, you know, I think someone, who was it that said, maybe Tom, you might know this, someone said, golf is a nice walk ruined or something like that. <laughs> and I said that. That's right. Um, but, you know, just again, you know, there's an example of things in our life that even when we're playing, we're so frustrated because we want to succeed and do things. I mean, what if we just realize this is an opportunity to express the goodness of the gospel, of the life God has given us, playing the card games, or going on a hike, or swimming. Okay, I've added one. Uh, these, I should tell you, I should have told you at the beginning. Um, 
I've stolen all of these rhythms because this is something that uh, they've used in the missional community model at SOMA, who we did some training with. And I added one because to me it felt like a glaring omission. And that is work. It's a rhythm of our life. Even, even if you're retired, I know, because I have parents who are retired, I know how busy our schedules are. There's still things that have to be done. You don't just suddenly you know, go to the sidelines. Kids, they might think, oh, I don't work. Well, I always think, you know, I always try to tell when I did youth ministry, especially kids, your, your job is your education. You're a student. That is, that is work. So we all have this work. And actually, for most of us, work takes up a huge chunk of our life. And so if we don't think about our work as being an opportunity to live into the gospel rhythms of life, then we're just taking this huge chunk of our life and saying, I'm going to try to survive there. And then I'll, I'll meet and, and experience God's goodness once I get out of that and get into these other rhythms. Work, of course, can be a challenge. I want to read to you from Colossians 3.22. This is where Paul is talking to families, and he actually addresses this originally to slaves. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only with their, when their eye is on you, and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Many of us have had or do have bad bosses or coaches or teachers or whatever. And this was originally written to slaves who had no choice. They couldn't just quit. And Jesus says, recognize that all the things that you are doing, you can do them for the Lord and not for your human Masters, in this case, your human bosses, your human authorities. What does it look like to take our work and offer it back to God? For all of us, that's probably, uh, we have different answers to that. This is an important gospel rhythm. As soon as we recognize that we can do our work for God and not for any human beings or companies or anyone else, it offers this freedom that Paul starts talking about in that passage we read today. That freedom to say, no one has power over me now. I'm, I'm choosing to do this sacrificially, but not for the company, not for the paycheck. I'm doing this for God. One of my favorite things to proclaim to, to um, all of you as we begin involved in the missional church is to remind us all that we, if you are getting a paycheck, Okay? You are a full-time missionary. You are a full-time missionary. You don't have to tell your boss, because they may not like that. That's okay. God has given you provision so that you can serve Him. And this goes for school, too. I remember how hard it was to be in school. I get to see a little bit of that through my kids. I mean, it's just that daily grind. You gotta get up, and you gotta do it again. You gotta do it again. You gotta do it again. And you can have a survival mentality. I'm just going to try to make it through one more day, one more day. Or again, you can look for opportunities to use that for God and to bless others as you're there. So God has built all of these rhythms into our life. And we could probably talk about others, but I think these are some of the big ones. 
God has built all of the rhythms into creation. So you see an image up there of the waves. And if you stand on a beach, you see the rhythm of the waves. And for any of us who have ever been fortunate to live or spend time on a beach, you know how when you're around that water, the tides come in and go out twice a day. And they set that rhythm of life when you're on the beach. They change the way you approach it. They change the way the water looks. They change all of that. And so we believed uh, when we were starting this church that we wanted to be a church that saw the gospel filling out the rhythms of life that God had given us. And in this place, uh, we have the water and the tides going in and out. And this church was built on what is called tidelands. And we felt like that. We weren't here yet. But we wanted to be, um, we wanted to claim that as our name. Also because we believed that it was about this place, not some other place. Um, Presbyterian's a great name, but that doesn't necessarily mean a lot if we are Tidelands. Officially, we're Tidelands Presbyterian Church. But we, this name, that name Tidelands, is about this place. You know, these, if you go out across the island, you see some of the Tidelands that are being reclaimed. But many of them have been diked in, and they are farms now. And that was done originally with good intention to create a place to grow food. And now we know that that's also done a great bit of damage. So now we live in this tension of wanting to reclaim some of that so we can restore some of our salmon habitat. And at the same time, knowing that we still need our farms and we can't just take away all of our farms. And so there's a tension there. And so Tidelands, we believe, captures that sense of this place. And our struggle also with the institutional church Sometimes good intentions with negative results. Missional, being a missional church, being a mission, on mission in life, is about trying to restore the church while also not completely disregarding the good work that's being done in, in other models. So it also means that we're trying to restore the ways we approach our life while also needing time to gather together to study our Bibles, needing times to gather together to worship and to pray, needing times to gather together to talk about how do we pay for our building, and who, you know, who do we ordain, and all those just administrative things. I mean, all those things still have to happen. We're not just throwing everything out. And for you, and for all of us, I would challenge you the same way in your life. Think about the gospel is. It is covering all of your life and beginning to look for more opportunities to let it saturate the rhythms that you have, rather than thinking about how you can escape it in order to enter into what God is doing. Mission is about living life with gospel intentionality. And I believe that it is my job, and therefore this church's job, to equip you to do that task. So if there are ways that we can do that better, I would love to know. Let's pray. You see these rhythms that you have given in your creation, God, and we experience the rhythms as we go through our life every day. Lord, we want to confess that so often we get so caught up and going from one thing to the next, that we forget that you are at work in all of it, and you are with us in all of it. Father, help us to experience the joy and the freedom of living our life for you and for the gospel. 
Help us to know the areas where we need to let some things go. Help us to know the areas where we need to be more intentional about inviting you in. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Give us just a couple of, a little bit of time of silence to reflect, and then I'll give us time for some questions and answers. So what are your thoughts as you hear this? What are your reflections or any questions that you might have? gospel into the work you do and that's challenging because that's the sacrifice side of it that Jesus calls us to and then I think it's okay to pray for a miracle <laughs> and Jesus changes people's hearts it, it can be amazing and especially in the situations we go no no not this person <laughs> thanks for sharing that others reflections or questions you have
where um, I'm so grateful for those of you who give us examples of that because I can't. I mean, my, my workplace is the church, and so I've been doing that for over 20 years. So this is where I have to be very preachy and say, say to you all who you know, are working in much more difficult environments, um, this is God's call for your life. And I've, I've seen that, like you mentioned, Adam, Adam worked for Homeland Security. And it was that concept of he's getting paid to do full-time ministry that sort of changed it. And he said, well, don't, don't tell my employer that I'm getting paid to be a minister of the gospel. But it just transformed for him the way he thought about his work. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. One of the things I really like about being in America is that it's actually okay to uh, be a Christian. And you might think that's hilarious coming from a country like New Zealand. But you would never, in the workplace, talk about Christianity uh, unless either you knew the other person was a Christian or, you know, it was you know, very necessary. It was, it was just, it, you got a lot of grief for it. Whereas over here, I remember one of the very first places I went into, someone greeted me and they said, uh, um, oh, you're from New Zealand. And then they said to me, where do you go? And it took me a while to work out they were asking me which church I was going to. Oh. And it was like, you would never ask that question in New Zealand. So I think it, it was actually Midwest. Oh, Midwest, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma City, a couple of places. Yeah, yeah, you'd ask that question there for sure. I have in-laws who live in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Thank you. Others? Thoughts or questions? Please join me as we close our time in song. Let's stand. Some of you can sing here. I can't. Try that.
Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you as you go. Amen.